House Real Estate, title sponsor of Experience the Buzz. Premier Realtor Tim Collum and his team are ready to serve you. Buying a house? Selling a house? House Real Estate. Visit their website at timcollum.com. That's T-I-M-C-O-L-L-O-M.com. Or you can call Tim directly at 916-247-8048. House Real Estate, for all of your home buying and selling experience. It is now time to experience the buzz, a podcast that takes an inside look at amazing people doing amazing things. Get ready for some great conversation that will be fascinating, educational, and inspiring. We will also leave room to help small businesses in a big way. Now, here's your host, entrepreneur Steve Buzzard. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 4 of Experience the Buzz. I'm your host, Steve Buzzard, and I'm so happy to be with you for today's podcast. If you are just joining us, this is my first week of interviews. Be sure to check out the first two episodes by going to my website at buzzardball.com. We've got the podcast available for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you this week. Yes, we're on Google now. The trailer explains what Experience the Buzz is all about. And then episode two, we're going to take a peek into my journey as an entrepreneur. I invite you to come along. And if you enjoy what you hear, subscribe, like, and feel free to leave a review. Well, I am honored to welcome today's guest, Jason Ross. For over 25 years, Jason has been a constant in Sacramento radio. What is impressive is that his entire career, which is still running strong, has taken place at one radio station. That's right, Sports 1140 KHDK. That is not easy to do in the radio business. Jason and I have been longtime friends working together at KHDK in the early 90s through my departure from broadcasting in 2004. He currently is a member of the Sacramento Kings broadcast team, the voice of Sacramento State football, and program director at Sports 1140 KHTK. He has a beautiful wife, Alva, and their son, Jackson. In today's episode, Jason will dive into his childhood in Southern California, his experience at UC Davis both as an athlete and then his emergence into the broadcasting world, the early days of Sports 1140 KHTK, to finally fulfilling his dream of becoming an NBA broadcaster. Along the way, Jason will highlight pivotal moments in his journey, as well as explain why he is one of the happiest and kindest guys you will ever meet. I am proud to call him my friend. Here is my conversation with radio broadcaster Jason Ross. So here we go. We are with Jason Ross, longtime broadcaster right here in the capital city, and I am proud to call my friend. Wow, you're the you're the guinea pig. You're the first of the two that I'm going to be letting go this week. And I go from solo podcast, which was one thing, but now it's interview time. And who would have thought we'd be in this position doing this? It's bizarre, Buzz, but this is going to be great. I was so excited when I saw you post on Facebook that you're going to do this, um, knowing your skill set, your expertise, and now all the people that you know in different walks of life. This is going to be this is going to be fun. So for me, I was I mean, this is. This is easy. It's just you and I talking. This would be fun. I know. I, I just felt like this is going to be a conversation like no other because we'll just pick up right where we left off. And, you know, Jay, I, I'm just, you know, I'm proud of you. And I didn't realize that you are, are you turning 50? Is that happening? What? Well, how old are you? Don't age me. 
Not yet. I'm only 20. No, uh, soon. One more year. Uh, this year will be 49. Okay, that's what I thought. I, you, I, I knew you were closing in, but I was like, no, he's no, he can't be 50. Leave that to me and the others, right? But uh, yeah, we, you know, you've been doing this for 20 plus years. And actually, we could say 25 plus years. And that is being in the world of broadcasting. And I, I'm going to start out by this because it's I, I was doing research on you, which I had told you before we got onto the podcast me doing research on my good friend, Jason Ross, but that's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool. And uh, I, I ran into one um, article that was written about you and it was great because they started out with words that describe you. And I just kind of was nodding the whole time. And here are the words, likable, informative, professional. I actually added that one in, uh, honest, <laughs> fun, and qualified. That's you. I mean, that's you in a nutshell. And you have so much to be proud of. And when you just hear those things, that's got to make you smile. Well, it does. But I was waiting for you to add your own, like, can't hit a wiffle ball. Um, <laughs> struggles with the driver. Um, we've built so many memories on this journey, like way back to the, the when we were starting radio. You started before me, but when we – Sacramento Sports Network. I mean, I think about that stuff and your just ability to think of things that I would have never – thought of um man i just this this is taking me back which is fun well and that's going to be the fun part of this conversation because guess what i've got all those notes down we are going to dive into that journey but this conversation is truly about you and this is what i'm excited about is really dive in and you know i'm just i'm just going to take you back because we have so much to cover and i guess i should give that background in the sense that you know jason and i have worked together for many years i went out of the broadcasting business probably in the year 2004. And Jason Ross is just, he's continuing to run strong. And of course, I'm going to give everything that he does in the intro. But uh, when we take it back and we just start like at childhood, I'm always curious, you know, a childhood really develops what you truly are going to be and what your journey is going to be. So as you look back, what was your childhood like? It was great. I mean, I think I'm pretty easy going kid and like sports, love sports. So whenever I could play them, uh, get basketball cards, baseball cards, football cards. Uh, I created my own games that I would make at the house. Um, I would be outside with a cash. We had one of those old chick, uh, kitchen dial timers that, you know, I, I would put that at like five minutes on the clock and then I'm playing a game in the driveway and I'm, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics yep. and, um, we had a, a little, we had these two palm, small palm trees in our house in Palos Verdes. And we had like a clothesline that went across. So of course there's my field goal with the Nerf ball. I would throw up a tennis ball and hit home runs into our neighbor's pool. Um, sports, 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 sports. I remember in 80, uh, when the winter Olympics, I had roller skates. So I thought I was Eric Hyden. I mean, anything I could do at any sport at any time, I would play it, watch it, uh, try to recreate it. And then just, Sports, sports and hanging out with people and then, you know, school and all family and, and uh, everything. But just sports was was really the fabric, I think, for me. Now, outside of the Sacramento Kings and the Sac State Hornets, which we will get into a little bit later in this conversation, what were your team allegiances? Growing up, uh, you're going to love this, Buzz, and you know it, UCLA. And that came from my parents. Both my mom and dad went to UCLA and then we had season tickets. Well, they had it forever. And my parents separated when I was young, but I think I would go to, I think my dad told me I went to my first UCLA USC game at three. And here's a little fact. I, I don't think I told you this, this last year, this last UCLA USC game, 
my bro- older brother and I figured was the first one since probably 19 or probably in the 40s. No, 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 excuse me. Probably in the early 60s that a Ross was not at. Oh, wow. Because of obviously the pandemic and no fans, but my dad would go, my mom went. If I was going since three, my brother since before me, and then one of us was always going, even if I was doing Sac State or Davis or Kings or something, but we had somebody at the game all the way till just 2020. So there was Ross representation every year dating back to the 60s. Yes, at the UCLA USC game. A lot of losses for UCLA, but some wins and good memories. Got some good uh, wins in there. Yes. Uh UCLA for sure. Um, the Yankees. And that became because my cousin played baseball for the Yankees. When I was really growing up, that was his his best years. Uh, Greg Nettles was a Yankee third baseman. So then he went to the Padres and a few other Wait, teams, wait, wait, but- wait, wait. Stop, stop. You're related to Greg Nettles. I am. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Great third baseman. What? How many World Series championships with those Yankee teams? Three or two, two or three. Yeah, I should know this. 390 or 91 home runs. I wanted him to be in the Hall of Fame, but um, didn't quite get there. They retired Roger Maris's number. I mean, come on. Nettles nine did more than Maris did. I'm biased, of course. <laughs> um, but uh, Yankees fan. And I kind of grew up. And then when you're in L.A., you know, the Dodgers were playing. I, the Raiders, Rams. Um, but really, I think the ones that stuck with me all this time was the was UCLA and the Yankees and then transitioned into Kings just because you're in and around them all this, all this time. All right. So let's talk about that. That's the transition. You obviously are talking like you were in Southern California and now you make the move to Northern California. So this could be a two-part question. I would imagine you wanted to go to UCLA, but you ended up where, and that brought you up to NoCal. Yeah, I wanted, I did want to go to UCLA and a bunch of my high school uh, friends, we, all of us applied to UCs. And I remember it was, it was really bizarre. I had a good friend that got into UCLA, then, then he didn't get into some of the other UC schools. I got into UC Davis, but didn't get into UCLA and Berkeley and Irvine. Like we we all kind of had different things that happened. So um, ultimately when I think I even, oh yeah, that's right. I did appeal because I still wanted to go to UCLA while going my freshman year to UC Davis. And the story that I'll, I always tell that I always remember was I, I was homesick. You know, I got up here. I'm like, I, I knew a few people, but ah, Davis was so different than LA. I'm like, I'm going to be here four years and I am back to Southern California because this is too slow. And Buzz, it was probably May of my freshman year. And I remember going to the mailbox vividly in my apartment in Davis. And I got an envelope from UCLA and I went, uh Oh, I mean, it was a big one. I'm like, I think I got in. And I don't want to go anymore. And that was really, I would have, I, I don't know when it transitioned that I had settled in. I was comfortable. I had friends. It was like Davis fit me, but I, it, probably if I got that in January or February, gone, but I got it to go in and I'm like, no, I'm good here. And I didn't go. Wow. I stayed at what, I mean, what an amazing moment. Maybe because, Part of the conversations I wanted to talk to you about, like pivotal moments, and uh, I I would say that's a big one right there because that's what started your journey in Northern California. And then take me through UC Davis. See, I knew about the basketball end about you trying out, and I want you to share that story. But I did not realize that you were also a pretty good baseball player. Decent. I mean, I was what I felt like in sports was I was I was fairly good in a lot of things, but I was never, I wasn't the best on our high school baseball team or certainly not the best on our basketball team. 
but I could go out and compete and play pretty well. So I wasn't recruited to go to Davis, but part of when part of the reason to go to Davis one was twofold one to maybe be a vet. That's kind of was my initial plan. And the second was, well, I can also, it's division two. I could probably play some baseball there. So I redshirted my first year. It was very, um, since I wasn't recruited, it wasn't like they were, they didn't miss me if I wasn't there. So I remember spring coming around and I had a class that ended up being in when a lot of the practice time. So I just kind of just faded out and didn't finish redshirting, I guess, my freshman year, if that makes sense. Okay. But how does that work? How does that even do you show up to practice? How does it work as a redshirt playing baseball? Like what, what do you get to do and obviously not get to do? Yeah. I mean, it was like when they practiced, you were there to practice. And sometimes you weren't in every rep, but they had separate Like, so, I mean, you got to hit, you got to feel a lot, but when they were doing scrimmaging, sometimes you get some opportunities, but I mean, I was pretty low on the totem pole and that was fine. Cause it was like, well, I'm, I'm here. This is, I'm still getting better hopefully. And maybe next year will be, be my year on the team or, or an opportunity. But there were a lot of people that were recruited. I actually, um, one of the things when I remember going to Davis, um, I didn't have a place to stay and I called the, um, you know, the housing department, I guess. And they said, Oh, you're 80th on the waiting list. I'm like, Oh my goodness. She said, no, 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 promise you. It's not that big a deal. Call back in like two months and you'll probably be fifth on the, like, that's normal. I said, okay, call back in two months. And she, I moved up like four spots and she said, uh, you got a problem. So I ended up talking to the baseball coach and I said, there were other baseball players that were red shirts that were coming in that were in the same situation. So I roomed with three other guys. I didn't know one was from San Diego, two were from LA. And so we had like our little baseball apartment and um, yeah, got to know those guys, but you know, started my school journey and, and really what was going on in that time, I was playing a ton of basketball. I mean, I was playing cause that was my thought was my school was really good in high school but I didn't start on the team. I played every game, but I was a bench player. But our school was really good. But I always thought uh, I watched UCLA basketball. I'm like, well, I'm not Reggie Miller. I'm not six eight shooting guard. I mean, I'm six two. But that's what I thought I had to be to play college basketball. But Davis, I didn't really know a lot about Division two. And then I'm playing with a lot of the guys. And I remember my third year, one of the guys said, "Why don't, you, why don't you come out for the team? Like you play with us all the time." And that's when I'm like. I'm going I'm to travel for basketball. That's great. And I want to get to that in a second, but my two last questions on baseball is number one, what was your position? And number two, if you were to liken yourself to any major league baseball player, who would it be? Oh gosh. Um, I like to play. What? I was going to say, what was your style? You know, <laughs> um, weak arm, slow bat, um, no power, but I would show up. I don't know who that is. Um, I like to play. I love to play third. And that was obviously after Nettles. I just, I felt like I had quick reactions, but I didn't have a cannon. I had an average, just average arm. Um, like a lot of things I could, I could hit, but not great. I don't know. I just was never probably someone that never made it. Probably someone that was in the minor leagues would be my. Okay. So no, no parallels to anybody in the MLB. No parallels. No. Um, yeah. That's okay, Jay. Yeah. It's it's all right. Didn't didn't, didn't have it. Was you Let's turn the page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and let's talk basketball because I think this is a great story because I think another another pivotal moment for you that actually started the journey that you are currently on and have been running on for 25 plus years. Talk about that in your junior year. 
Yeah. So that's when it happened. So that this, I would say was really a defining moment. So the summer of my junior year, um, I was really at that point where I was undecided for a major. I was taking a lot of the pre-med stuff because if I'm going to be a vet, like you got to, you know, I'd already done some calculus, some chemistry, some in- introductory stuff like that. And I said, boy, if I, if I go in, like I've got to really go all in and how, um, how serious were you about that? Like on a scale of one to 10, you know, not knowing that you're going to be doing what you're doing now, but obviously that's what you were going to school for. And I think that's important for people who go to college. I mean, you see so many people, you know, undecided, maybe go to JC for two years. And even when they get into a college of their choice, whether it's for the experience or their career, they, they still may not know even to their last year of college. Yeah. Or even after they can yeah. change a lot. I mean, people's career has changed a lot. Um, I, I was pretty far in, but I knew I was at that point where, like I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to almost switch all my class. Like I was doing English. I had, I had different classes. I was kind of hitting all fields just in case. I don't know. I just wanted to hit all the pre prerequisites and a couple of things I liked. Um, I was doing some communications courses, but really not that many, but more pre-med, um, some math, you know, a lot of things you're going to need. But that summer I was thinking a lot about playing basketball and I was working out a ton, best shape of my life. But I also worked in LA at a vet. My, uh, our neighbor across the street from my dad was a vet and he said, yeah, I'll have a little summer job for him. And I actually loved it. I loved it. But I realized quickly that I loved my job and my job there as the vet was bringing, it was almost like the first person you see at the doctor's office when they welcome you in the office, I get some introductory stuff. I get to see the dog, the cat, the families get to meet them. It's fun. Um, there was a lot of them that were stored and say, you know, for a weekend or had shots or surgeries coming up. So I got to care for a lot of the animals, but I, the vet didn't really get to do that. And I, that's what I, I mean, I've always loved animals. And I thought I'm doing it. I'm walking and cleaning cages, grooming, giving shots, but I didn't need to go to school. I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I like this position. I liked my position specifically, but I was making, I don't know, seven bucks, five bucks. And I can't remember how much, nothing change and playing basketball. Well, and it describes who you are because you do, you do love, you love people. Like you said, you love pets and everything. So that was kind of like, it was right in your wheelhouse of who you are as a person. Yeah. And I just saw the doctor, no offense, like it was, and and maybe I could have done it differently. I created my own path if I was a vet, but it was pretty much just come in. What's wrong. Here's the diagnosis. See ya. And I'm like, they didn't spend, or, you know, sometimes you're given grim news, which, you know, your, your pet's not going to make it, which is part of it. But so I went back to school and tried it. And that's when like the tryouts were going on for, for basketball. And so I was going and going and going and going and, it was going pretty well, like surprisingly well, I thought. So I'm like, cause I had some doubts. I mean, like, again, I was a decent player on our high school team, but no, no star by any means. And there were a lot of people and all the players at Davis were recruited. So I'm trying to walk on and make this team. And it got to a point where the, the day that um, I remember very well is I'm leaving my apartment with, at that time I had six other roommates and it was the last cut day. And I think, you know, me. I'm not a very, um, I'd rather be reserved and then tell people exciting news and like, I've got it type of thing. But this day, one of my roommates, Ryan said, you think you're going to make the team? I said, yeah, and I don't, I think I'm going to make the team. I just want to make sure I get Jersey number 21, which is, that's how certain I was. Like I'm going to be on the team. I would like to be number 21. 
And I remember walking into Hickey Gym at UC Davis, and there was a guy who I was certain was not going to make the team, came out and he had a jersey. And I went, you know, good for you. He's like, I made it. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, if he made it, I definitely made it. And that's a terrible thing, but that's the mode I was in. And I got there. And, and by the way, this is there was a, a varsity team and a JV team. So I, I was probably more towards the JV. And I'm like, that's fine. If I go here five years, maybe I'll be one of the better players in the JV, bumped up to varsity for the last two years. And I'm just here to, I'm not going to be in the NBA, but like, this would be fun to be a college basketball player. So, you know, you're going for the varsity team, but at the minimum, I'm on the JV team is what I'm thinking. So I walk up there, I look at the list. I'm not on the varsity list. Okay. So I look, I'm not on the, what? How am I not on the JV list? And that's the coach came out. He's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, what is going on? So he brought me in and he's like, because like earlier that day, Buzz, we had a practice where I literally was like leading the drills of like the second group. So I'm like, I think I'm going to be a captain of the JV team. And he brings me in and he says, look, you're, you should be on this team. I didn't know you were a junior. We're basically only keeping, I mean, we could have kept you for the varsity, but I was a last filler piece, if anything. And for the, for the JV, they were basically keeping freshmen. And he goes, it's, you're, you're too old, I guess, is really what he was basically saying. I was like, oh, man. Wow. Okay. I mean, so that hurt, but it was, he was an honest answer. And I had been playing with some people at the school all the time. And one of the guys was working at KDBS, the campus radio station. And he said, the first game is Saturday. You've been with the team the whole time. You want to sit in and do color with me? And I thought, sure. Uh, yeah, sure. That'd be fun. And that was it. That was it. I knew right then and there, that's it. And with that, we are going to take our first break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the start of the broadcasting journey for Mr. Jason Ross and what a great one it has been and continues to be. We'll be back right after this. This is Experience the Buzz brought to you by House Real Estate. R5 Stitch and Print is a proud sponsor of Experience the Buzz, specializing in screen printing, embroidery, banners, patches, and much more. Owners Troy and Jamie Rousey are a blueprint for small business. Check out R5 Stitch and Print on Facebook or email Troy at r5printsacramento.com. Let R5 Stitch and Print take care of all of your printing needs. Say hello to Pit Boss Jerky a proud sponsor of today's podcast. This small business is led by head pit boss, Joe Green. Pit Boss Jerky features 11 different jerky flavors, including their newest flavor, Island Teriyaki. To get your hands on Sacramento's best jerky, visit pitbossjerky.com. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode of Experience the Buzz by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. It means everything. Now, back to the show. Episode number four, it's Jason Ross. He is my good friend. We, for many, many years, he's still doing it, and now we've got a chance to talk about it. And where we left off, he didn't make the UC Davis basketball team. He should have, and that's a regret for the coach right there. But you know what? Sometimes, like they say, when a door closes, another one opens, and boom. The world of radio opens up to you and you start out as a color analyst. Take us from there. Let's start with those Davis days. 
Yeah. So color analysts. So I'm a junior now. Right. And there was I'm just getting started doing a few uh, just a few games for the men's team as a color analyst. But there's a few others that were at the campus radio station that also wanted to get involved. At the same time, I was uh, dating a, a player of the UC Davis women's team. So I was that was kind of my first college girlfriend. So I'm interested in the women's team. Hello. And um, the opportunity to call their games was available. And I said, well, that fits me probably better. I know her. I know the team. I know the coach. And so that started doing, I did, there was four of us that were working the women's game. So we had a rotation with me. I did play by play and I had an analyst and then Scott Marsh, who you've known for years as well. He did the other games of play by play and he had an analyst. So we had a little rotation of, I can't remember if it was because Davis usually would play on a Friday and Saturday. Maybe I had the weekend this weekend and then they had the next weekend, that kind of thing. But we had a great friendship and bond between all of us and where I was fortunate there, Buzz, was everybody was a senior and I was the only junior. And so they all graduated. And basically the, the KDVS sports program was was up to me if I wanted it. So I applied for the sports director. Now the senior year, I'm doing a talk show, new sports news. Um, Football, basketball, baseball. I created my own uh, community public access show, which was, gosh, I should show you the video. It's terrible, but that's what you do. You start. Um, you know, I'm just trying to copy Sports Center and do something. I mean, that's my only influence. I'm like, let me make my own Sports Center at Davis. It wasn't, but you, you learn and you make your mistakes. And so um, I was just trying to do anything and everything, and you learn how to sell. I had to sell the advertising, which I wasn't very good at, but you just make the commercials on the reel to reel. I mean, all that stuff. And it just was, ah, I just love that. And for you, once you got in, even though you came in as a color analyst based on your childhood and, and your love for sports, is it safe to say that you were, you were all in, like you were all in and where did that switch then started to be, you know, to happen for you because you were still pursuing being a vet, but now you're getting a taste of this broadcasting world. Where did those two worlds collide? Yeah, I think I just completely switched from that once I started doing the games. And so that's my junior. Then I switched all to communications. I'd already done a lot of my prereq stuff that I needed for pre-med, but it all just fit for credits for Davis. And I could easily um, get my schedule. And I started ramping up my my unit load. I, I basically could have almost finished in three years, but I finished in four. I, I stayed the my junior to senior summer. So that's when I was getting stuff ready for football season and selling. But I took two uh, two full units in the summer. So I mean, I was catching up a lot and and kind of fast tracking. And now I now I was locked in. Now this is I knew what I wanted to do. It just I wasn't very. good. I just had to get better. I needed the reps. You need you, you know it. You you make your mistakes and. Um, I have those tapes somewhere, but uh, I don't know that I want to listen to them. And, and what was your biggest takeaway from UC Davis? Because I know for me at USC, with the group that was very similar to what you're talking about, I, I had like six to eight like-minded guys who love sports. We love broadcasting, putting together shows, doing stories, all those things. I, I, I had to imagine that was such a great experience for you, not just for what you were able to do, but like you said, that kind of that camaraderie that you have within that setting. Yeah, I think, and and I'm guessing that your experience at SC was, I'm going to say different, but probably better in one sense, because I know it's, it's got more broadcasting teeth behind it. Davis, a lot of our communications was more, you know, uh, nonverbal communication, difference between men and women, uh, theory of communication. I, there, there weren't classes to sit in front of a microphone or write news copy or do a sports report. It was 
trial by error, which in one sense I liked, but I also didn't, my feedback was my roommates or my parents or my brother, like, Hey, you did great. Well, that's nice to hear, but it wasn't that good. Like what, what could be better? And, and to find the people that knew what was better was, was hard. Like we were all kind of critiquing each other, I think, but what did we know? We, I mean, I knew what I saw on TV and I just assumed, well, Craig Kilborn's great or Dan Patrick's awesome. So I'm going to try to be them. Well, I'm not, but you just, that's your reference points. I think, right. You just try to emulate the ones you love. I mean, that's, and especially in those days, that's what it was all about. Cause like you said, there, there, there was not a lot of feedback that was going around. And, you know, for, for me, I'm proud to report that, you know, it seems like at USC, oh man, we had a huge listenership. Well, it turns out that our student radio station went into one dormitory, one. On campus, so that's all you need to know. Okay, that's kind of, that's kind of the underground. In fact, we were called the underground, which is pretty funny in itself. So graduation comes. What's next? I mean, what happens? Like, where do you go from there? So that was the the next. I, I now that you say it, the way you worded it, I feel like I didn't realize it, but I had little crossroads, and I think this was another one where I'm applying to a lot of different places just to see who would be interested. What is my next journey? I didn't realize how difficult it was to get into to radio or TV. And, you know, I had a few family connections and I had an interview that went well and an offer from the Orange County News Channel, which was a, a almost like headline news, a 24 hour news service. So that would be go back home. And that was interesting to me. But now I've kind of settled into Northern California. I also applied to KHDK and met Mike Ramey for the first time. And I remember interviewing with him and, you know, I sing all these things, you know, I've done play by play, you know, talk shows and you just, all these things. And then board, you board opt. And I'm like, that's, that's not what I want to do, but that was what hit him. And he said, Hey, we've got a guy here that's going to be on vacation for a couple of weeks. So we could bring you in for pay you for two weeks. And so I basically was looking at that buzz. I had a two week paid offer to stay in Sacramento or go back for a non-paid internship in Orange County. And it was really difficult. And had I, I was still dating um, Jennifer, who was on the women's basketball team. Had she not still been here, I don't know. I probably, I don't know what I would have done. But I think the decision was pretty easy to stay. I was comfortable here. I still had an apartment in Davis. And the two weeks was interesting. And so I got the two-week paid, um, I don't even know if it was internship, but two-week paid time at KHDK to run I think G Gordon Liddy, uh, fabulous sports babe, and Don and Mike. Yeah, you know those times. Wow. And, oh yeah, that's taking me back right there. And the guy, I can't remember his name now. I remembered it before. Um, didn't come back. He didn't come back. It was too Jerry was his name. Jerry didn't come back. And basically, that, do we know why? Do we know why Jerry didn't come back? I mean, I think I trained with Jerry for a few days and he was going on this two week vacation. And then I never saw Jerry again. I feel like I owe Jerry a ton. Uh, yes. And he never came back. So then it was like, okay, we need someone that can do this shift. And it's like, well, now I'm, it wasn't full time. It was part time, but getting paid. And then here's where luck starts to happen. And at this point, now I'm listening to you on KSAC. I'm listening to Sacramento sports talk. And I'm like, Okay, and Matt Ivy and Grant Napier. I'm like, who are the? Who was it? Man Mountain Mer- Like, who are these people? And so I'm like, okay, because the KHDK had a local show in the afternoon. At the time it was Mike Ramey and Jack Youngblood. So that's all I really knew. I knew the Kings, who they were. I went to a few Kings games at Davis, but didn't really know much more. They came to Davis one 
one of my, I think my senior year, and that was really cool to have training camp there. But I'm, I'm learning more about sports radio. And um, then all of a sudden that summer, we got the Kings at KHDK. And Mike Ramey, who had hired me for the two weeks, said, we're going to need a reporter in the locker room. Oh, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And then things started to progress. So here's the beautiful parallel, just to give everyone, the listeners out there, a background that while Jason is going through this first part of his journey, yes, I was at 1240 KSAC. We kind of referred ourselves as the little engine that could. We didn't have as much power. And then 1140, you know, came on and they were starting to build up. And you mentioned all, I'll throw in Bud Frillo there, Ted Green. I mean, yeah, yeah we had some good personalities, but then they shift. Uh, because on my end, which I identified in one of my solo podcasts, is that we had our general manager come in and say, we're going all Spanish. And so now that's what took me into teaching. But then also, I still obviously wanted to be a broadcaster. And I got my call from Tim Roy to come over to 1140 and start working with, with the Kings. And then, Jason, that's kind of where our universes kind of came together. Kind of take it from there. Yeah, well, that was fun. I mean, that to me is some of the best times, honestly, I've ever had in radio. Of At that time, um, I had started to board up some more, and I think we had an issue on one of our weekend shows for one of the uh, guys that I had trained to do a Kings game, and he didn't, didn't have a very good weekend. So I was trying to get off of the board, but I went back to our boss, Mike Ramey, and said, okay, here's the deal. I'll do every Kings game because I know how important they are, and I'll do every one. If at the end of the season, maybe there's a different position for me. So it was, it was a risk. I kind of went backwards on hours, but I knew the importance of that position. But now when I'm doing all the Kings games, that's when, I mean, I had already known you, but now I'm really getting to know you because you're running, you're like the lead of our incredible team that you guys had put together of cutting highlights. So Steve Tebbs, Matt Rollins, um, well, Bobby Gerald, I think was hosting the Kings pregame and postgame. So I'm working with him, working with you. Um, you guys are like back in that room recording every NBA, you know, and I'm getting cards from you and um, man, those were good times. I mean, that was really yeah. good times. I remember being- that was like, that was old school. That was yeah. old school. And, and just to give people an idea is when you think about the technology today, it's much easier to cut highlights. <laughs> it's black and white. What we would have to do is we'd have to tap into an NBA line listen to the game as it's happening. So we're recording on reel to reel and just wait for the highlight to happen. Put it on cart, give it to Jay, run it down the hall, baby. Yes. Right. That's how we did highlights. Yeah. And I remember being, so uh, for whatever reason, our set of you guys were like in the newsroom, which was down the hall. It wasn't very far, but it was around the way. It was not convenient. And I didn't have a TV in the room. So I'm hearing the game, but I wanted to be with you guys. I and mean, we're all the same age. We're friends and, and the TV's in there. So I'm trying to watch the game timing when you get a sense of when they're going to break and have to run back down the hall to hit a button before, you know, Grant or Jerry or, or wheels, you know, with swear or something. So you're clear and get them off and, um, and then get cards from you guys. Yeah. But that those were, and, and that's, I think also when all of us would find at the time, Kevin Harlan was doing Minnesota. So it's like, Oh, uh, let's call the Minnesota line. Cause we always wanted to hear their games. There were certain announcers. I know that we all, became fond of that we thought higher of because their highlights were great. So that also was, a, you know, listening to our guys, listening to other people. Now it's okay. How, how can I do more of this? And the other thing, and I don't know if I'm fast forwarding too far, but um, when you and I got to work together a lot at the Madison station and we'd sit in the studio together, I still tell people this all the time, Buzz. And I think 
I think a broadcast should be done this way. When the night would start, it's Kings, Bulls. You'd go, I got the Kings. Okay, I got the Bulls. And literally, you'd do the play-by-play when the Kings had it. As soon as the Bulls got the rebound, I'm like, Jordan, front court. You know, it's – but, like, the second – like, if you got a steal, I shut up. And you – like, it was – I actually think it was really good. I mean, we were having fun. We were practicing for ourselves. But I think it was I pretty chills. creative. I, I mean, I just you saying that, I remember those so, yeah. so very well. Because there was one thing about sitting in the studio and just enjoying that moment. But, uh, you know, with this show, I say everybody's an entrepreneur. That that was a way to say, hey, how can we work on our craft and actually make it unique? Now, it, it's never happened, but it should. You're exactly correct. And I actually think that's one of a few things that we started, if you know what I mean. And I'm 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 primarily yeah. talking about the Sunday yeah, show, but- and this is kind of fast forwarding a little bit. But we got the opportunity because what everybody has to remember, Mike Rainey, great man, but you felt you could never get on the air the way you wanted to because there was always something. You just described it, and that's how the Sacramento Sports Network came about. It was a collection of guys, Jason and myself. We mentioned a few, uh, Matt Ivy. Uh, who unfortunately passed away at a very young age. Great guy, uh, Steve Tez, Matt Rollins, and Scott Marsh. It, it was the big six right there. And I remember our high school football show. I can't we I can't actually believe that we got that on the air. But you know what? It was one of the first of those kind. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And you could just tell like that would work and how that grew. And you were the you were the leader of that the forefront. Like that's something that's what I'm talking about. Your resourcefulness, innovativeness. I just would never, like, it makes sense now, but I would have not thought of that ahead. And like, someone needs to be the the go-getter. And I was like, we're always there for support, but you were the leader of that and got us in front of, at that time, Gordon Peary. And Gordon was like, I like this idea. And so sometimes you need someone that's going to champion what you're doing and you were leading us, but he was helping us. And yeah, we were trying to find different ways to get on the air. And then I think we did enough over time to impress. That's how we'd get sprinkled in on a few other shows here. And Ultimately, when we had the the Sunday Big Show, I mean that was that was great. But you know, I was thinking back on the play by play. You know, um, like all these national championships when they've got the Homer cast or just like just the natural feed, like they really can do this. I think like if you just had two play by play people or just analysts or try everything, I think it's it's just different yeah. and fun. Yeah, different way to do it for sure. And so you know, we were just trying to come up with ideas. And then we get to the uh, the big show, right? And uh, some of I, those are some of my great memories too. The play by play, obviously, in the studio was so much fun. Uh, but that Sunday show, there was something about it. And you know what I enjoyed the most was cutting the commercials. The commercials were the best, weren't they? <laughs> yes, I think we were ahead of our time on that too. It seems like it, and it just when we enjoyed it, I think that's what made you know, like. I, I didn't know what you were going to write for. We would split up where we were going, each city. And I, did we cut them separately? I can't remember, but like, I'm like, oh, how did he think of that? Or just, I don't know. We just, it was just fun. Yeah. I don't think we were like trying to like outdo no. each other. It was just being creative. And I think we wrote separately, but then we would come together. And if I remember correctly, as we recorded them, we, it was almost like we were hearing them for the yes. first time. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we shared before. It was kind of like that element of a surprise of what's he going to bring to the table? Uh, because to give everyone some relatability, we would take a city. And so, you know, over the course of the NFL season, you can almost, yeah, almost hit every city. 
Yeah, because there's 16 weeks and, you know, 30 plus teams. Yeah. So we would say, I'm going to San Francisco. And then it would just be everything relating to that city. So some of the things we came up with, and it wasn't just what we said, it would be the music in the background, it would be sound bites. And so just that creative process was was fun. But on those Sundays when we were at McGee's, I think, yeah, McGee's out on Sunrise, you know, we were calling and we said, we're going to call every touchdown. We're going to call every field goal. It didn't matter when something happened, people knew about and right. Stingers up, give me a stinger. Right? It was a red it zone before the red zone. I mean, it was a radio version. So many people told us that they listened going to Raiders games, Niners games, and it, it didn't become and fantasy football was big. It's not as big as it is now, but it was big. But we people weren't offended by saying at that time, gosh, Natron means with a 21 yard touchdown run, right? Like you're giving the distance. Where did you come up with that name? That is crazy. That's I was trying to think of somebody that was running at that time, but you know, um, that kind of thing where it's like, Oh, it's still relevant to the score. It's still relevant to the game. Oh, and I do have them in fantasy. Oh, it's 21 yards. That helps me because I get in my league X amount of points, but we would do that. We had stringers from different places. We had uh, Artie Gigantino, <laughs> And then all of our support crew that we had back at the studio doing something like we were talking earlier with the Kings, where they're cutting highlights. Now, if they have the – wait, they've got the highlight. Well, let's hear it if they've got the Natron Means touchdown or whoever it might have been. And, um, gosh, that show was fun, and we were out on location. I think we were on it. Remember your Apple computer that you had out there? Oh, my goodness. So many. Yeah, it was – yeah, and it was one of the big yeah, Apple was, computers. It was the one that was like turquoise blue or whatever colors yeah. they came in and everything. But, man, Jay, those were some of the great times of my life. And 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 just I just enjoyed every moment because, like you said, we were in it and we were doing what we loved, you know. And so what we're going to do is take a break, and we're going to then turn the chapter to you going Sacramento Kings – and Sac State football, longevity for you, and you've made such a great career, and then really get into your thirst for play-by-play, like something that you crave and you want to continue to do, and we'll get into that. So we'll be back right after this. Hope you're enjoying. This is Experience the Buzz, brought to you by House Real Estate. House Real Estate, a Tim Collum Realtor Group, is the title sponsor of Experience the Buzz. When you are selling or buying a home, you want that experience to be seamless, knowing that you are well taken care of from beginning to end. Tim Collum is Sacramento's premier realtor, and with over 20 years of experience in real estate, he has built a team that will deliver on that promise. Knowing Tim the way I do, when I'm ready to sell and then buy a house, I will be dialing Tim at 916-247-247. 8048. That's right. I can talk directly to Tim to set my experience in motion. You can find out more by visiting house real estate at timcolum.com. That's T I M C O L L O M.com. Enjoy the experience. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode of Experience the Buzz by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. It means everything. Now, back to the show. Well, the next chapter in the life of Jason Ross, as we uh, talk about this great broadcaster here in the capital city, uh, longevity, professional, uh, just one of the most person. I mean, just the kindest people, I should say. I I don't even know if you get mad. I, I That's the thing. I've always wondered about you. Do you ever get mad because you're always smiling. 
you are actually more positive than I am. Okay. I'm cup half full guy, but when I look at you, it's like three quarters and maybe nine tenths. You just really have a great attitude before we get into more broadcasting. Can you talk about just that thought process and how that's just kind of been, been instilled in you? Yeah, I guess. I mean, when we're kindred spirits that way, right? If it's in you, it's, it's in you. I don't know that I look at it any other way. Um, I, I am, what is a, someone said, you're under the happy tree. I said, yeah, I mean, life's, there's a lot of things that to be upset about or sad about, or, and, and you get there sometimes, but I think generally if you have a happy disposition, it's easier to, to flip it back or to appreciate the blessings that you have. So, I mean, it's, I think everything in life is how do you look at it? So yeah, you can go in a way that like, Oh, woe is me. And this is rough and it's bad and whatever pandemic world. It, it stinks. It stinks, but we're here there. You do. We're doing this, this way. I mean, there's, there's different things to, to look at it. And I always just choose to find the good if I can. And it's not always there, but sometimes you have to dig a little harder. Yeah. It's a quality I love in you, Jason. And uh, you know, your breaks, we're coming, and I think a big one for you was Sac State football because play-by-play was your thing, and you know we were trying to find these opportunities to make that happen. I was doing the same thing. Now, you know, I was able to do UC Davis football uh, before you came on at Sac State. Not a lot of years in between. I think it's pretty close. And then I was doing like Sacramento Knights, Sacramento River Rats. I was doing anything I could. And I know you have the same mindset, but talk about getting hired by Sac State and really that opening up for you. I think this next chapter that I'm here, I'm established. Yeah, I didn't know it. I don't think at the time, I didn't know what that would be. I can go back to, I think you started Davis in 95, 94, 95. Yeah, yeah, right we there. We tried out together. We, I mean, I, there was like four or five of us that had to watch a video. And I said, perfect. I called this game in college. I'm going to get this job. Well, I didn't know how it all worked. And so I had, I still had my spotting board. I'm, I'm going to wow them. And I don't know. I think there were, I heard there were four or five of us. I don't know. I didn't come in first. You got the job. Did I come in second or fifth? I don't know, but that was a good, okay, this is how it works. Like you have to, you know, it's not just given to you and you did great and you deserved it and you got the job. And I listened, man, Buzz is good. And then, you know, I know Matt Ivy tried, I think Scott Marsh, I can't remember our whole crew, but it's like, okay, so what can I do? Where, where's my spot? I, I love play by play. And I can't even remember how, I remember turning in a cassette tape to Sac State. That's about all. And then they liked Steve McElroy and myself, and they wanted to see if we could do it together where I would do the play-by-play and he would do the color. And then I think when basketball came around, we flipped it. And so I said, yeah, sure. I'm not, I'm not going to say no to that. But I didn't know that it was the start of years of Sac State football. I just thought, I mean, going to Davis, I prefer, I wanted the Davis position at that time. Well, it was no longer available. So Sac State, sure. I don't know much about them, but it's play-by-play football and let's do it. And so, yeah, yeah. never guessed it would have if it gone for 20 plus seasons. Yeah. And minus the pandemic, how many years now? 23, I think 24. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. You remember when we would look at media guides yeah. and you would look at, uh, I don't know, Joe Tate, 31st yeah. year. And you're like, wow, that's a long time. Dude, 23 years is a long time. I mean, something to be proud of, but it's it's kind of crazy to think. Yeah, and then you you look back, like, so I started in 97 with, with Sac State, and the next two, like, the first year was really rough, and then the second and third year, Charles Roberts is on the scene, and he's their best running back they ever had. But I thought, oh, well, 
I don't know that I was as impressed with him as I should have been. Like, if he came on now, I'd be like, this guy is unbelievable. And I think I tried to say that when I did it, but I'm like, well, I'll probably have another four of these coming up after him. No, he was. He was. But I, <laughs> I was still relatively new at it, and he'll probably be the best running back I'll have ever called, I'm, I'm assuming. And obviously, I'd have to think your your best year is the one that just happened when they won the big sky. And it was like, I remember I was applauding because I remember all those years that you had gone through that Sac State had really never achieved something great. They had some moments. Like you said, Charles Roberts was definitely a great individual player. But as a team, you finally got a taste of it. Yeah. I mean, I to be honest, I, I would get jealous and envious. You had the call of Stanford, Davis beating Stanford. I'm like, how did they beat Stanford? And you got to call I'm like we had Sac State hadn't have anything close, remotely close to something like that in, for so many years. And then there was a sprinkle here when they beat Oregon State. That was a really big moment. Beat Colorado. Okay. But some of those years still ended buzz at five and seven, six and five. And it's like, ah oh, man. But and then the year prior, Davis had that year and they made the playoffs. And now I'm seeing that happen. I'm like, man, is this ever gonna happen for Sac State? They get Troy Taylor, and just from the beginning, like this team looks pretty good. And it was almost like every week I was surprising myself. I'm like, I'm not going to get too excited because, you know, I've been let down before. And then, like, well, they just steamrolled Montana. They just went to Montana State and crushed them. I think they are really good. And then, it just, yeah, that year was was so much fun. And unfortunately, they couldn't back it up because I think they would have been really good this year but they opted to not, well, first the pandemic, and then they opted not to play in the spring. And the beauty about you, Jason, is it's not just football. You can call anything. I mean, you've called a lot of different things. Maybe talk about that. I mean, you've got a variety of sports on your resume. Yeah, I've done, well, basketball too, uh, football. I've done baseball. I've I've tried to do really whatever. I've done some stuff for uh, the Republic. Um, And I, I heard this at a sports casting camp years ago, and it was, uh, Ian Eagle, he told a story that, and I'm a big fan of his, I think he's a great broadcaster, but he said, um, he got a call one day and he, he describes it from his wife's point of view. He's like, so she hears like, what? Oh, okay, sure. You know, they hangs up the phone. And she goes, what was that? And he goes, it was some big wig at CBS asked me if I could do, um, this boxing series coming up in the summer. And she looks at him and he's like, have you ever done boxing? And he said, nope. He goes, come to think of it. I don't even think I've ever been in a fight. But he, his point was, okay, I've got some time. I'm skilled. I will watch every boxing tape. I will call my connections and just to not say no. And like, so I don't know if someone asked me to do uh, bull riding, I, it's not, I've never done it, but I'd figure it out. I, and, and maybe I wouldn't be great, but I would be as prepared as I possibly could be. And I think that was a valuable thing. Like the, the general framework, we've all done it. Like you could go right now and with a little prep, go do, um, I don't know, cornhole tournament or something, you know, just something that's different that, okay, just give me a little time, learn the vernacular and then meet with some people. And I think I could pull off. Okay. So my odd sport that I did was water polo. Yeah. When I was in Porterville with my first job, that was interesting, but you know, it has same, it has a lot of the same concepts as soccer, you know, field hockey. So you did, you know, you just figure that stuff out and, Away you go. Yeah, you got to be versatile. So, you know, before we get into the Kings, um, I I want you to hit on being a play-by-play broadcaster. What is it? What is the essence of it that you love? Like, yeah, you do talk shows and we talk about your versatility, but when it comes to play-by-play, what is it that you love about it so much? 
I think it's the whole craft. I don't know how to put it in one thing, but I love the the rhythm of it, the preparation. I love to find something that I've always felt like if I'm, you know, Buzz, you're the quarterback of the team, the game I'm calling, and I find out something like, wow, I didn't know that. If I say, wow, I didn't know that, then I feel like I'm going to tell that effectively on the air. Like, did you know that, you know, Steve Buzzard was once, I don't know, the general manager of a florist shop? I don't know, something like that. I didn't know, and probably the audience didn't know, or something that is intriguing, or a stat, or I find something now on Twitter or social media, some or somebody tells a story that you get. Um, the prep, the preparing for games, the meeting of the people, the relationships you build with the coaches, and that's something I will say this too, like when I first started for Sac State, just getting out of Davis not that long ago, people were like, how can you go work for them? And I'm like, well, it's a job. And then over time, you know, I know all the coaches and other kids, their family, their wives. It's like, you're totally connected. Are you rooting for Sac State or Davis? I said, Sac State. I mean, I know all of them and I know them well, and I've been around them for 12, you know, we travel. So it's, I don't know. It's easy to get caught up in the people you're around. And so you root for them. I don't, I don't, coaches lose jobs when they have bad records. I, I'm not rooting for that for these guys that I get to know. So um, it's easy to get that, but I think it's the, it's the no game is the same. Um, the challenge of trying to be descriptive and say something different this game than, hey, you're using that same crutch phrase every time. Ah, man, okay, I got to get out of that. So learning, and, and I, someone has asked me, like, what do you think your, your best game is? I said, it's coming. I haven't done it. Like, so that's what I feel like I'm chasing it. And that's not like, it's probably cliche, but I, I hope I'm not at my best. I, I want to, it's still coming, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, mindset of always learning, always trying to get better. And that, I think that's a great way. Like you've had great ones, but there's the best one is is looming around the corner. And with that, we're going to take our final break. And when we come back, we're going to finish up talking about the Sacramento Kings, a big bulk of Jason Ross's career. And then I've got some just questions I'm going to fire at him, kind of rapid fire, as we like to call it. It, it would be like a segment that we would have on a show. Speaking of shows, this guy's hosts a lot of shows. Man, I feel like we could go on forever. We will be right back. Again, this is Experience the Buzz, brought to you by House Real Estate. We'll be back right after this. R5 Stitch and Print has this philosophy when it comes to your printing needs. Every job is unique and requires a tailored solution to best showcase your needs. Owners Troy and Jamie Rousey live local, work local, and always support the local community. Whether it's screen printing, embroidery, banners, or even patches, R5 Stitch and Print is ready to serve you. They offer state-of-the-art machines that offer precision on every job. Need a company logo or something custom printed in small or big quantities? I am telling you, visit R5 Stitch and Print. You can find them on Facebook or call today at 916-454-3773. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode of Experience the Buzz by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. It means everything. Now, back to the show. And we are back. This is the final segment. And I'm almost sad that it is the final segment. The beauty about podcasting is you have no time limit. So if I wanted to, we could go for a couple hours. But you know what? Jason's got things to do. I am speaking with Jason Ross, longtime broadcaster here in Sacramento. And speaking of Sacramento, Sacramento Kings. When I say that, where do we start, Jason? 
Well, we have a we have a big history there together because we've we've called uh, our studio games together. Which again, if we we should have recorded that because I think that's some pretty legendary stuff. Um, I remember being on the air together playing Celebration back and forth forever in a loop when the Kings finally made the play. Well, they had made the playoffs, but when you and I were working together and they had broken a drought uh, of making the playoffs, I think that was the 95, 96 season. Um, but memories, I mean, all, all parts from board hopping to locker room reporter to um, statistician to um, sitting up in 218 being gossipy and critical of every player of everything that ever happened to um, – sitting by G-Man's side to calling games. I mean, it's really, I've had every kind of every seemingly every opportunity for the organization, which is except for playing and they haven't asked yet, Buzz, I'm still waiting for that opportunity. <laughs> the slow out of shape shooting guard. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid Jason, that, that one's probably not going to happen. I'm not giving up. Well, unless they do players versus media, then you're in. That's trouble. Trouble for me. Yeah. yeah. That could be very, very scary. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Gary Gerald. I mean, you and I both wanted to be play-by-play broadcasters, and I think we can fairly say we would love to do it for the Sacramento Kings. And Gary Gerald has been there for 30-plus years. Grant Napier was there for a long time, and they've made a transition there. And you actually get that opportunity. Now, we have to remember, you did fill in. So, I want you to tell me about your very first play-by-play broadcast as a Sacramento Kings announcer. But then last year with the pandemic of being named the play-by-play announcer, albeit not in the way that you would see where you would actually be in the arena and there would be fans. It obviously is a lot different with the pandemic, but talk about those two times. The first one was, this is going to sound so weird because, but you would be able to relate to this better than just about anybody. I get a call from then director of broadcasting, Craig Amazee, and he says, hey, these are the kind of calls I like to make, but how would you like to broadcast the Kings games this weekend, which if I'm not mistaken, were the first and second game of the season, they were going to be in Dallas and San Antonio. And I kid you not, I mean, as, as bananas as I was feeling inside, Buzz, this is going to be weird to a lot of people, the Causeway was that weekend. A part of me, and I'm not, a part of me was like, that's the, I don't want to miss the causeway, but I will. But I mean, I really was like, it wasn't 100% good news. It was like 95% good. I mean, it was, of course I was going to do it, but I'm like, couldn't it have. Now, did you get the, did you get the blessing from Sac State? How, how did yeah, that go? Yeah, that was, that was no problem. And, and um, I mean, like, why couldn't it have been Sac State and Humboldt, you know, but it was Sac State and Davis. I didn't want to miss this game. So, but of course I'm going to, of course I'm, but I was, I was trying to figure out what was going on. G-Man was doing racing, which has happened before. And I, I don't remember the exact part of the story, but Jim Cosimore usually would fill in for him, but I think he broke his foot and would not, was not going to be able to travel for some reason. So of course it's a yes. I mean, I'm beyond giddy, so excited, nervous, everything you can get. Now it's the morning of the first game, which is, I, I might have these flipped around, but I believe it's. San Antonio. And then we go to Dallas, but it's the morning of, and I get a call again from Craig and Craig says, I hate to do this to you, but I have to put one more thing on your plate. I'm like, okay. He goes, unfortunately, Grant's father passed away and Grant was going to do the house party show because Coe's was back here. So Grant was going to do everything from there. 
And I'm like, wait, what's going on? My simulcasting is what I'm starting to think for a second. I'm like, I'm doing TV as well. But he asked if I could do the house party show, which I had never hosted. So now I'm, I'm all my eggs. I want to have the best broadcast I can ever have in radio. Cause I don't know if this is the two games I'm ever going to get to do and only, and I have to do this TV thing. But again, I'm not going to say no, but now I'm, I'm getting, you know, sweat under my armpits thinking about this, that I have to do a TV thing that I've never done, but I'm really worried about calling the game, but I know I can do it. It's just, I haven't done it. So that was another, was, you don't say no. And so here I am. Ah, hi everybody, you know, on TV. And, you know, as soon as that finishes, then I have to go host the, uh, the pregame show or the, do the radio. So, so excited, so crazy, so into it. And, you know, I think at the time, you know, getting to interview coach, just the whole process of just being overwhelmed. But what was really cool is I got really good feedback um, on my return. So that was like, okay, just validation sometimes besides family, you know, family is going to always be your cheerleader. You were great, yeah. Jason. Oh, we loved you. Yes, of course. I'm like, okay, relax. But, uh, but positive feedback from those that asked me to do it. And even others in the community that I remember doing the TV, like Jim Crandall, well-respect has been here forever. He's like, you know, I didn't know you could do TV. You did a really good job. Well, that like, that feels great coming from him and, you know, okay. And that wasn't even my target. Like, well, did you hear the game? How did I do on the game? You know, but um, that was, that was the first opportunity. And that was, uh, you know, you never forget that. Okay, and then we fast forward to the pandemic, and you know you've done now a collection of games. Uh, you're still pursuing that, you know. I, I I would imagine because I believe you you probably applied for a couple jobs. I, I I think I saw where you had applied for Cleveland. You know, in in your brain, you're like, I am qualified. I can do this. But now it's about timing and will this work out? Which I think is the case for many of us especially when we start building a family of which you have a son with your beautiful wife, Alva, talking about Jackson, of course, Uh, you know, take me through that when you got named, because I remember for me, like I was crying. I was like, so, so excited for you. I'm like, he finally got it. He finally got the job he's always wanted. It was, it was an awesome feeling because you're right. It's the other things that lead up to it. The other opportunity, not, not necessarily opportunities. I'll go back to one other story real quickly from Craig. It was probably after another King season where at, now I'm getting a chance to do probably 10 games for Gary. So I've done probably at this time, maybe 40 games, which is a good amount of games. I feel more than qualified, but I know, I know my place in the pecking order, but I, I had one of those times the season ends and I went into Craig's office, the director of broadcasting and just kind of said, uh, you obviously like me, you've heard me. I, I think I can do this, but like what, I don't know. Just like, what do I do? What's advice? And he's like, and he spelled it out about as clearly as could be. And it made a lot of sense to me. And he said, look, you're behind. I, I would hire you today to be our TV guy. I would hire you today to be our radio guy. You're behind Grant Napier and Gary Gerald, who have both done this. I think at that time was right about 30 years or late 20 years. They're both really good and they're both not going anywhere. And it was like, well, you told me you like me, but you don't have a job for me. So I was like, well, okay. So, I mean, I, I it couldn't have been more clear to me then, but it's like, well, do I look? And that's where I kind of did start to tinker and look a little bit, but do I want to go to Minnesota? Do I want to go to Cleveland? I'm a Californian. I've loved it here. My family's here. So it was kind of with reservation. I didn't look aggressively, but every once in a while I would. And then when that happened um, out of circumstance and then the pandemic, I mean, it's it just to see like a press release, I was emotional, um, but also knowing like not knowing if it was permanent too. So I was excited 
again, back to 95% excitement, I guess, because, you know, getting get to call games and um, the Kings might make the playoffs too. You know, they have a chance in these seeded games at that time. So this, this could be really great. And then unfortunately they didn't play as well as I had hoped and it didn't spawn onto more after that at the time, but uh, just, it was, it was such an exciting time for me and for the family, for sure. Yeah. And with that, you know, your pursuit continues. Uh, I saw in one of the articles I was reading, you, you just want more play by play, however that looks. Uh, but yet you are still entrenched. Uh, many people may not know this, but you are now the Mike Ramey of Sports 1140 KHK, which when I found that out, I'm out. Jason Ross, the program director. I, I was like, in a way, I was like, that makes sense for me. But it was so funny to me because all it would do is I would just relate back to those days of Mike Rain. Hey, Mike, we got a show to pitch you. Yeah, that sounds good, Steve. Uh, you know, I'll take a look at this and get back to you later. And I'm like, I can't imagine Jason being like that, but I imagine there's just different responsibilities that you have to to deal with. And on top of that, you're a talk show host. So it's like you, you are juggling all these things. Yeah. And it's the, you know, is it a means to an end? Like sometimes I'll, I'll stop and pause. I will go uh, because when it was approached to me about being the program director, that's, that's never been a direction. I mean, I had never seeked that out, looked for it, but it's like, you know, we both had Mike Ramey for so many years. And then I would say the last seven or eight years, I had about seven different program directors. So it was changing a lot. And then, then when it was asked, I said, well, yeah, why not? I mean, I'll learn more about myself, learn more about leading people and, goods and bads, but sometimes I'll stop and think, you know, am I getting any closer to more play by play by doing this? So that that's always talking to me. Like that's the voice. Like how do I get to more play by play? And that's, that's, that's something I'm always going to, that's good stuff. Well, if you don't mind, I thought we'd finish off by, I just put a little question sheet together, just kind of odds and ends questions. I know you're good with this stuff. So I'll start you off light. Like for, for example, uh, your last Netflix binge. Are you a Netflix guy? <laughs> this is so funny that you say it, and this is how it all comes together. Last night, Buzz, where were you with the Night Stalker? Ooh, I haven't seen that one. You were. Oh, I've heard. Okay. No, yes. Okay, because I think I've shared this story with you. I have been in a courtroom with that guy when I was at USC. No, he looked at me. He's a scary dude. I know. I. Oh, I know. I just fainted. <laughs> so I've heard. So you, you checked it out. Tell me more without giving away, I guess. Okay. So no, I, well, yeah. I mean, he's, I don't, I've never been more afraid of a person in my life than him. I mean, so it's mid eighties, it's Los Angeles. And so people were tweeting me and say, Hey, have you seen the night stalker thing? I'm like, cause I've talked about him on the radio before. Like, I don't want to see that, but I go, I yeah, kind of want to see it. And so my wife, Alva, didn't know about it, really. She kind of knew about it. I've talked about him before, and I think he died about two years ago in prison, and it was almost like a – I don't know. It was like he's finally gone. Like he can't get me anymore. I mean, I was deathly afraid of him. I would sleep with a baseball bat. I remember when he was hitting all these homes in L.A., and my my dad was in L.A., and my mom was in Orange County. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then they they tracked one of his murders to orange County. And my brother who's four years older than me. I'm about 12 or 13 at this time. We were driving from my dad's to uh, orange County, but where we had to stop to get gas was in the general area where he had hit. And I was freaking out. No, we can't get, I like, it was daylight. I just didn't, I was that afraid. And so now to watch it, but it's really well done. I haven't finished it. It's only four episodes that we've watched two. I mean, it literally started last night. It's funny that you said that, 
So uh, it's the Night Stalker. I think you'll like it because it's well done. You know the story. I can't believe yeah, you saw no, it. In a it was courtroom. part of one of our journalism classes. Is we'd have to go down to the courthouse, and we which courtrooms we were going into, and literally we'd go into this one, and he steps out. And what he would do is he would come in and he would purposely look back at everybody sitting and glance slowly across the room, like he wanted to catch your eyes because of what you're uh-huh. talking about. He wanted to put the fear in everyone, and he accomplished it. Wow. Okay. Well, and without this won't be way, but without saying too much, like they actually described that, like he would. This is how deranged his mind was. Instead of like if he was coming to get you or I, um, like I could be hiding behind something, Absolutely. knowing that, but he would want me to pop up so he could see my face. That's where his was. instead of just coming to kill me, it would be let's see the fear. So that when you're describing like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting the chills. What a great way to kick off the uh, rapid fire. segment. <laughs> I'm very afraid. Oh my goodness. Well, this will be a lot better because the next one is what is you, either your favorite childhood show or toy? You can go either direction or both. It's up to you. Favorite childhood show or toy. For me, it's Brady Bunch. I watched yeah. the Brady Bunch so much. I guess that's it. I mean, I had other shows that I liked, but I, I can't think of one I watched more. So it's Brady Bunch. Okay, I'll go with that. Do you have a toy in there? Is it, it probably sports related? Yeah, you know, it's base. Do you still have baseball cards, basketball? Did you keep well, them? Yeah. And now they're like, I put so much time into it back then, and now these cards I don't think are worth anything. But now someone's rookie card from like two years ago is worth forty bucks. I don't, I don't get the industry. Yeah, I, I know a guy who got the – he uh, collected the – or found – or got in a pack, I'm sorry, the rookie card of Shohei Otani signed and was able to sell it for – okay, so here's the funny thing. It was either 50000 or 500000 I'm not sure. Yeah, it, exactly. This did not – now, listen, we lived in the world of tops. Yeah. But then you remember Donruss came yeah. around and, you know, all the other – Fleer came around. And then what was, like, the premier one? It was uh, – Oh, what would you say? Upper deck? Yeah, upper deck, upper deck. And then from there, it was like, I'm done. Yeah, if I can't keep track of one, I'm not going to be able to keep track of four. So I don't get how that's worth that much money. And yet I've got some, I don't know, Tony Gwynn rookies that are probably worth maybe 10 bucks or I don't know. It it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Okay, uh, last one for you. And that would be uh, your fate. No, I've got two more for you, actually. Favorite music concert. I don't know where you are in the music end of things but is there a concert you've gone to that's memorable any buzz concert you're the you're the rock star man you everything you play remember our basketball your basketball camps and we play all this i actually found this is another story man we have too many stories that connect this summer i was doing a little because you know when you're at home the whole quarantine i was getting uh kind of containing some of our old cds and i found some of them that were jock jams and i saw you're writing in there on post it's like you wanted song two six eleven 14 and I'd look and go, Oh yeah, those are good choices. Oh my uh, gosh. Our Friday. But um, probably my best concert, honestly, was it's one or two. Uh, the first one I ever went to is Bruce Springsteen at LA. And I didn't know how I was a fan, but not a big fan, but just the, the great show that he put on. And one up here we went to was really good years ago was earth, wind and fire in Chicago, but they played, they played each separately and then they played together. It was actually really, really good. Okay. That's good. All right. And then we'll finish off with this. Uh, you're, and, and this is going to be hard to limit it down to one, but your favorite sports moment, like 
one and listen, you can name one or two. It doesn't matter where you want to go with this, but since you love sports, what would be your favorite sports moment? I still think the best thing I've ever seen, uh, we went to, my dad worked as a civil engineer and did a lot of things with transportation in 84 in the Olympics. And we got a lot of tickets to different events. So we went to a tie, almost encompass all of the Olympics of 84. We didn't go to opening ceremony. But we went to closing. We went to track like three times. We were there when um, we were up in the upper deck, at the top of the Coliseum when um, Mary Decker fell, Zola Bud. Like, so, I mean, we saw some historic things. We saw Carl Lewis jump the long jump, but he only went like once and he won. And he, he was supposed to jump six times and everybody's booing him. And I couldn't figure out why are we booing? I thought we wanted Carl Lewis to win, but he was preserving himself and went to basketball. And I didn't know that was Jordan. Like I didn't really know how good that team, 84 team would be. We saw baseball, swimming. I, I would say the Olympics. And that was just, that was really fun. Just the overall experience. I was, I had a bunch of pins. I was doing trading Olympic pins in the Olympic village a lot with different people. So you know, it was a good time in my life. I was 12 and just, it, it, you kind of were getting things. You had a little freedom, but not too much. And yeah, I, I would say the Olympics is the best thing that I ever, ever saw. That's good stuff. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that, Jason. And oh man, this is, I can't believe that it's actually been over an hour. And But I was also not surprised. I said, once it, the two of us get into conversation, we could go on and on. We have actually missed so many stories, which would then tell you, there will be volume two of this conversation because it's just so much fun. And I think encapsulates just two guys, you know, chasing a dream and just having different paths. And so if you could finish off, you know, I say this is a show for entrepreneurs. My quote is, I believe everybody's an entrepreneur. You're a great example. Many things, variety about you you're able to do, which I think speaks to you uh, and who you are and what your character is and everything. But if you were to like, kind of give a message to, I don't know, somebody young or just life in general, what would be like that nugget of gold that you would want like listeners to? Yeah, I would just say, keep pursuing, keep going. Because probably in any profession, you're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to have tough things. You're going to have people tell you no. Um, but in this profession, you knew it buzz too. And there's weird hours. You, you, you have to have a great support staff. So your wife, your, your significant other, your family, they have to be understanding. You're, you're working holidays, weekends, nights, mornings. But um, surround yourself with good people. And then that leads me to believe that you're a good person. And then if you do that, good things are going to happen to you. And I, I don't know. I, I think your statement that everybody's an entrepreneur is I think of that with you, like doing this and doing uh, your deliveries and DJing and, and basketball camp. And then your pursuit of, of broadcasting early on and teaching. It's just, you're a great example of that. Like you can find different avenues that, that carry you places that maybe you don't expect. And so um, don't say no, just keep going after it. If that's the dream and, and go for it. I love that. I love that. And Jason, I, I'm just so, again, glad to call you friend. And this will continue. I imagine we'll be in Sacramento each, for, with each other for a long, long time. And, uh, I know that. I don't know. I just feel like that play-by-play gig, it's coming. It was almost there last year. It is for sure. And and there's no better person that deserves it than you. So I, I know Alva would be your number one fan. And then her family, your family would be shortly under that. But I'm very close to under the family, right? So I just consider myself your brother. Not Matt Ross, but definitely <laughs> your big brother. And I just I love and appreciate you for who you are and everything that you've done. Oh, thank you, Buzz. I think of you as a hero and a mentor and an idol and a friend and all the things. And just, I've just always been amazed at your resourcefulness. And even this, you're going to kill this. I mean, this episode, you know, separate from that, but 
Um, we're going to, uh, we have more to do. We, we got to talk about buzzard ball and the camps and all-star Friday and coach buzzard. And man, we have, we have lots of stories. That is a conversation that could have gone for much longer than it did, but I hope you enjoyed it. And it was so fun having my good friend, Jason Ross on the podcast with Experience the Buzz. Here are my biggest takeaways. Number one, that first pivotal moment when Jason realized he was going to be staying at UC Davis, even though he had got that admittance letter to his childhood favorite university, UCLA. Number two, those days in the studio when we showcased our unique broadcast of each of us doing play-by-play for one of the teams making it a dual broadcast. That's how we practice. Those were the days. Number three, when he found out he would be broadcasting his first NBA game only to find out that it fell on the same day as the Causeway Classic. He knew he was excited about the opportunity, but because of the circumstances, could not enjoy it 100%, although it was very close to that number. And number four, finally, his latest Netflix binge. It was pretty interesting. What you didn't see is that Jason fell off his chair when I had mentioned that because of a journalism class, I was actually in the same courtroom as the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Just leave it where it's at. All in all, Jason Ross, thank you for the conversation. Well, more interviews featuring great entrepreneurs will be coming your way next week. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And of course, I would love to hear your feedback. You can do that a couple ways. If you want to, you can leave a review or email me directly at scbuzzard at gmail.com. And lastly, new is that you can access Experience the Buzz through my website at buzzardball.com. Once you get to the main page, just hit podcast and then the rest of the directions will be there for you. So with that, I am Steve Buzzard. I leave you with this. Make today your best day. Thank you for joining Steve this week on Experience the Buzz. Steve would love to hear from you. Leave a review or contact Steve directly with any questions at scbuzzard at gmail.com. To see the other adventures of Steve Buzzard, be sure to visit buzzardball.com.